Welcome back to Queen of the Tech Age. I'm Kat, with me is Amara. Thank you for uh, choosing to come back to another episode. Amara, how are you doing? I am well, thank you, Kat. It is, it's autumn. We're, we're at, the, at the peak of, like, the start of winter. The nights we're at the peak of basic bitch territory. Exactly, you know? <laughs> the nights are getting longer, which means our moods are going to become lower. It's a natural I, thing. I was about to say, I, I'm super depressed. I, I, I like, I like the, I like the light evenings. I like being able to finish work and still do stuff in daylight and not feel trapped. I also like not having the heating on, which I'm still steadfastly refusing to do. <laughs> which it's, uh, it's you know, it's early. Like, check my resolve in two weeks, but I don't want it on till November. I'm sort of making a personal stand this year, like, no heating to November. I, 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 I almost guarantee I'm going to cave on this, but that's what I'm going for. See, you're going to hate me now, so I, I don't think I've ever switched my heating on my, in my flat. And there's a reason for that, guys. It's not because I'm, I'm someone who doesn't like switching heating on. I live on the 15th floor, so the insulation in, in my building is, is that good that I, I do, people walk into my flat all year round and they're like, your flat's warm. I don't feel it as uh, I, so I never find it cold or, or warm. I find it like the perfect temperature all year round, <laughs> but it then means I, I I don't have to put my heating on because it's it's quite well insulated in in general. Mm. Um, but I'm with you on the maybe because I'm a spring baby, you know. So I I prefer light over darkness, and the fact that at like six thirty, it now looks like it's nine p.m. It, it it has a weird impact on you, I think. You know, as soon as it, it gets dark, you you become sluggish and you become like. Well, it just feels like you got less time. I think it feels like the days are, the days feel short because they are shorter. But there's just something about the daylight. Ah, makes me feel better. <coughs> also, <coughs> I am getting over a, a gosh darn awful cold. I always saw that, but you know, you know, you don't have to edit it out. But um, yeah, no, I'm getting over a cold, not COVID, thankfully, but it's really been kicking my butt, uh, which has been entirely not fun. Yeah, you've been you've been sick now for the last two, three weeks. Um, it'd be interesting to understand or hear from other viewers if if they're experiencing, yeah. if there is this new cold or there is this like strange bug going around with headaches and people just not feeling well. It's not, it's definitely not COVID, but I, I know so many people who are experiencing this, so... Yeah, I, I... yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's interesting. I mean, and obviously, because I am an expert at segways, not writing one, but providing them. Being ill can make you feel sad, and, what, and today is Mental Health Awareness Day, twenty twenty one, which I think, as I pointed out to you earlier, is kind of our brand. If we have one, women being when we're talking about feelings, might be our brand. Who also work in tech. Yeah, well, I guess. Why did you want to talk about it? Because you, you're, you know, a little behind the curtains. You're like, yeah, we need to talk about this. Like, I'm like, I'm down. Always happy to talk about it. But what, what, what this year makes you want to talk about it? I, I think, um, you know, there's definitely been positives this year, and we should all address that. You know, the positive of we're coming out of this pandemic. You know, we've made it this far, and yes, it's it's been a traumatic experience for everyone. But one of the, I'd like to think, and I really hope that this is something that we take forward as, is talking about 
mental health, which is when we're on the positives, I think, out of coming out of this because everyone experienced it. And when everyone experiences something, it's it's easy to talk about it, right? Because you don't feel judged. Yeah. Um, and But what we're now seeing is the reverse effect of that, which is we were so happy to come out of this pandemic and kind of try and re- return to some sort of norm- normality that I don't know if we've given ourselves, and I, I personally feel like this, I don't know if I've given myself enough time to actually you know, get back into a routine. And so I've, I've gone from one extreme to the other where I feel like I'm burning out because I'm not slowly going back into quote unquote normal life. I'm running into it. And then that's causing me to then kind of go, I'm burnt out, I'm stressed, you know? And for me, that's that's the mental health sort of signs that I'm seeing and, I, and for other people, I'm sure it'd be different. So with it being National Mental Health Awareness Day, I thought, Let's talk about this. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think... I mean, I think I'm on record as being a person with a history of... Fra- not fragile, that's a, that's a bad way to say, but... Less than ideal mental health in the past, shall we say. And I think COVID and lockdown certainly impacted it, impacted my mood, despite being medicated. I think I, I, mean, I did talk about it. But I think... <coughs> I think 2021 is an interesting time to to reevaluate your life. I think we're seeing a lot of that, especially women who are looking at, oh, I can juggle these things better because society made all these things. And actually, that makes me a lot happier if I don't have to deal with that. I think if you look at some studies, there are... Interesting. I mean, it's almost like, yes, there are mental health problems out there, but when those mental health problems are, are aligned with stress or aligned with negative living conditions, it's, it's not so much that, yes, you can treat the mental health issues out there that come from those stresses, mm-hmm. but in a way, that's just a panacea. That's just like, you know, polishing the turd. That's a terrible analogy, but it's like, <laughs> a, yes, it doesn't, it doesn't really fix the underlying problem that, yes, if, if someone's not good enough to eat or has unsafe housing their mental health is going to be in the toilets you can't fix that by fixing their mental health but that doesn't you know equally to say not to say there isn't a great many people myself included who can have a more solid foundation and still have terrible mental health at times and I think whilst Covid has given us a chance to be on an equal footing for at least one thing like everyone has that in common now and as you said it's a really good conversation start to go oh how did you deal with it how did you know you can go from there i don't think you can overlook that privilege of dealing with it in isolation versus dealing with it as a secondary or co-factor of some other stressor if that makes sense yeah, it's interesting as you as you're talking. Um, one of the shows that I managed to binge watch this weekend. So I was I was sick this weekend. For me, it was burnout. Um, I was just exhausted. <laughs> so uh, I I spent a day or two um, on the couch. I mean, you're on the couch. What do you do? You Netflix, of course. And there's a new show on Netflix. Um, it's based on a book, based on a real life story. The show's called Made M A I D, um, and it's a story about. Uh, 
a single mum who finds herself in the situation where it's um, she ends up in a DV centre, so it's a domestic uh, domestic abuse centre. It's I, I can't remember the acronym. It's an American acronym for these shelters, and it's not it's not because she's been physically abused. It's because she's gone through mental abuse. Um, Mm-hmm. And it it's like a ten part series, and it it basically shows all the struggles that this woman, this young girl in her twenties, is going through, and and it really resonates as you're talking because it shows how, as a, as a woman, you know, she's facing all of these sort of barriers because she's a single mum, mm-hmm. so you know, she has to prioritize her daughter, she needs to get a job, she needs to find housing, and also she's st- you you know. She's struggling through the mental health of having gone through this this ordeal of having to leave her partner because she was in this um, emotionally abusive relationship. You know, she's in her twenties, so she's still kind of trying to learn to to find her feet. Or as as young women do, you know, you're in your twenties and you do you're still going through that evolution of figuring out who you are and 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 you know you're becoming an adult, so you're having to start to deal with the outside world. And it there was this one scene I remember at the. I can't remember what episode it was. And she she's going into her, her housing accommodation she's been offered. And she's had a really like awful time before that. Um, and at that point, me and my sister, we both turned around to each other and we said, the amount of mental abuse this woman's been through, not just in the experiences, and, but also then trying to come out of those experiences. Um, and women probably go through, maybe not that, all of us don't go through all of that, because, you know, touch wood, Kat and I have not been through that extreme, but... For on a day-to-day basis, though, there are things that women are having to deal with consistently. So if you're mothers, you're thinking about, you know, your, your children first. If you're carers, you're thinking about the person you're caring for. You know, if you have siblings and for various reasons, you're, you're caring for them as well. So I, I think there is this, like, um, burden that as, 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 a, as a female population, we do end up caring far more than our male counterparts. Um, and, and it kind of goes unnoticed because with mental health, it's very hard to detect until someone speaks about it, you know, yeah. or, or sometimes people are able to mask it until it just gets to the point where they can't handle it anymore or they burn out or they or they cry out for help or they feel like, they, you know, there's... And so it's... it For me, it was an eye-opener because it was voyeurism. I haven't been through that experience, but I've been through the experience of being, you know... A young woman who has had to sometimes go through some some variations where you're struggling with the world and you're struggling with your with growth and then you've got all of these other pressures on you. Um, so there was something that I felt like I could connect to, and I definitely recommend everyone should watch it. Um, yeah. I think I think it's. I mean, the thing that screams out to me is obviously, in general, you know, on every other episode, we're a women in tech podcast, um, which means. We are people in tech, and people we're talking to are working in tech, or they want to work in tech, and with that comes a certain set of you know, privileges. You know, it, it's it's a well-paid industry that affords people access to things like private mental health care, and the ability to access a therapist, and the ability to use that therapy to get drugs that work, and you know, and, you know work and get better. I think the the thing that I always contrast my experiences of private mental health care is with the disastrous ones that I didn't have on the NHS because I got referred many years ago to the crisis um, 
my case got escalated to the crisis. I can't remember what they call it, the crisis team, the crisis mm. centre. Yeah. And I and I went there because it was the only at the time I couldn't have afforded anything else. And I was like, oh, I'll try through the NHS. You know, I've got these problems, and I. It was it was awful. I actually stormed out because the, the person I spoke to was so evil and mean. It was just the one of the worst experiences of my life. Um, because we just had this month fundamental falling out about how the only I mean, and this is partly a resource constrained um, service. So all they could offer was group therapy, and there was literally no way I was going to talk in a mixed sex group about the things that I was dealing with. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't, I was refusing this. They they found me I was being difficult. I'm like, really? Is, is there no way we could talk about this? But you know, at the time I was getting very emotional and upset because I was I went there looking for help, and I'm being told this, and I, like, I can't do that. And then, so that was a disaster. Um, and that's a very small microcosm of what people have way more I mean you can look at the stats and I think if you look at it like access to mental health care is so deterministic on who you are where you live what your background is and how likely you are to be treated taken seriously by the health care providers you know in every in most ways I'm a privileged person I am white I'm middle class and that was my experience exactly. but I think if you look at the st- if you look at the stats I'm one of the lucky ones. Yeah, because I think one of the stats that came out was um, London has the highest rate of mental health issues, right? Um, and then if you look at that, 22% of people living in London don't speak English, English as a, as a, as a first language. Mm. And then if you're, if you're female, the stats are higher because women tend to go through depression and other, you know, other forms of mental health more than the male counterparts. And we already acknowledge that this, that mental health is a difficult conversation for any of us to have, no matter how articulate you are, uh, no matter how well you know yourself, right, to be able to identify this. Then if you come from backgrounds where talking about your emotions, etc., are considered, or not considered a, a thing you do, growing up in an Asian household, you know, we, you don't talk about your emotions. Um, I can verify for that. And then you're you're going and you're reaching out to the services if you have managed to then reach out to the services or get support, and 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 the you know language is a barrier. Trying to get people to understand, you know, your your situation specifically or your background as well. Because I hear so many people saying, but the but my therapist doesn't understand my background, so the techniques they use are not going to <laughs> be of value to me. And I, I hear that a lot in in the female sort of South Asian community where they say it'd be great if I could find a therapist or a coach who came from the South Asian background because they would they would understand and they would be able to then build the techniques around that so then you get that level of frustration as well where people then they might go to one or two you know therapists or they might go to a couple of sessions and then and then they give up because they they find that they that the person that they're trying to go to for help and support is unable to give them that because they they don't have the knowledge yeah. and background and understanding, which is such a shame. Um, and, and I think the channel into positive action, you know, is meant to work mental health day. So you know, the question should be, what, what, what can I do about it? You know, as people in tech, well, the obvious one is give people money. The NHS is a wonderful thing, 
but it is criminally underfunded in mental health care. <clears throat> and it is criminally, as you just said, it's badly positioned to provide community-specific care. So I think the best thing you can do is find a local organisation that is dealing with the communities that it serves, you know, that, that live in that area, and try and fund places for people to have access to a counsellor, to counselling sessions. Um, you know, look around, Google it. I think giving people that opportunity to have one-on-one -on -one time with someone, even if it's a few times, is can be life-changing. I mean, obviously, one swallow does not make a summer, but you know, it's one of those things that, unfortunately, in, in many ways, it's what is the solution? Well, it's money. And what can we do as people in tech? Well, we can... You can give to charity. So I, th I would encourage everybody. I have this year. I donated to Little Mental Health Charity. I would encourage everyone to, if you can spare it, give some money. Go and Google. Find your local health care provider. There will be people out there looking after women seeking shelter, women with mental health issues, uh, people of colour looking for support. Give them money. Exactly. Um... It, it, I know it, it, it sometimes kind of goes against what we're all told, which is, you know, if someone reaches out to you, don't give them money, give them tools, you know, don't give them money, <laughs> like, you know, encourage them to, to, to kind of yeah. find... But I think in this case, well, they don't, yeah, don't give but, them money, but give those organisations money. But sometimes you have it. to, you have to find, we, we also need to acknowledge the fact that um, it's sometimes just making things more flexible, flexible. So I... Mm. The, the the example I always use is if you're a single mum you can't do a nine to five job right because you might have to go and drop your child off beforehand and pick your child up afterwards and you're a single mum so you can't afford like breakfast club and you can't f afford after school club you know because those things are expensive no matter where you live in in this country London I know mm -hmm. is ridiculously expensive but even across the north <laughs> yeah. and so they need things to be slightly more um, flexible but when you look at mm. any course when you look at any job when you look at even you know courses which are like for mothers who are single for mothers who are trying to get into you know restart their career all of those the timings are normally nine to five right which means that in order to get there for nine you need to drop your kid off at school at eight and most schools mm. they start at nine right so eight o'clock is the, the the breakfast club and, and five o'clock and so it's it's until we fundamentally start changing some of these things to actually say a single mom isn't going to be there from nine to five. She might get there at 10. She might have to finish at 3.30. You know, we have, like we're, we, we say we're trying to solve the problems, but we don't actually solve the problems for the people, people who are going to be impacted by them the most. We probably solve the problem for the two or 3% who don't have childcare duties, right? Mm. Or who have the, the money to kind of use the before and after school clubs etc who have you know people that they can ha go and look after their kids so what i'm saying is we have the right intentions but we don't necessarily have the right execution uh, until and then until that changes we will still have that disparity of people say you know no matter how hard companies try they, they can't recruit more diverse people in the workforce but why is that and it, and it, it starts from this grassroots problem you know People's mental health is impacted by the fact that they've got all of these other things going on. 
but they can't get out of it because it's a vicious circle because people need jobs and the jobs are not flexible. They need support, but we don't give enough childcare, you know? Um, <coughs> and so people end up having to prioritize the, well, I got to work to feed my family um, and their mental health and their personal ambitions just become second. Um, and I understand it as a mother, as a single, you know, that you that's what you'd want to do. You'd want to prioritize that. But that that circle is never going to end until some of the the way we organize the support actually addresses and, and changes this. Um, yeah, and uh, well, actually, uh, going back to sort of our end of the world, for those women or those people looking for jobs in tech, it's a good thing to look at in the comp package because if a company you know obviously benefits are different for every you know every organization you might join but if you look at what the and lots of places do offer uh, private health care but check what mental health care is part of that package because you never know when it might be important to you Exactly. And offering things like, you know, childcare. I know I'm not saying every company should have a crush, but why, why don't we start thinking about, you know, a woman might not want access to the gym, but she might want some childcare mm. vouchers, right? Or she might want some oh, support yeah. in that. Um, and I think that's the, it's, it's, it's not, not just having the right intentions and having these great policies on mental health and diversity, but then actually saying, but what's the what's the crux what's the most important thing we could do to support people and sometimes you have to go and ask those people and say hey we really want to help you can you tell us ex what what it is that would help because if you ask that question you end up solving the most important issue and that's what really makes a change um and i'm going to harp on about it throughout this podcast but please go watch that netflix show i'm not we're not sponsored by netflix but watch it um you if Netflix are listening, I wouldn't turn it down. Yeah, because it, it does. As someone who's, a, you know, like you said, Kat, we're in privileged positions. We work in tech. We have, you know, private health care. So, you know, we can access things faster. Um, we also do, you know, we are in privileged position enough that if we did go and speak to a doctor, etc., we probably would get listened to. Um, but it makes you realise what other people go through and how see, much I they go through. And, and this actually, and this is why the thing I was talking about earlier was a sobering experience. I thought that, I I thought, because my my experience up to then, you know, of general practitioners and sort of, you know, surgeons and anaesthetists and you know, regular physical medicine, I had been listened to. Mm -hmm. It was interesting how little power I had in the mental health parts of the NHS, no matter how well spoken you are how well you come across i was treated like shit and and i didn't know how to deal with that and i know most people turn around and go oh welcome to my life and i, and I completely go yes it, it's bad that it, i got to that age before i had that experience with a medical practitioner but it was eye-opening how how they just didn't care if you wouldn't play their game and there was no way I could. And it was a sobering experience. One uh, is interesting hearing you say this. Um, the the example I always give to people when they say, how did you end up in your 
my field of work. And, and for anyone who's interested in understanding what I actually do, um, so I'm not a software engineer like Kat, but I work in the tech space. And a lot of what I do is um, is more of the, the bringing people together and, you know, the strategy and understanding, you know, who needs to be involved in what conversation. Um, but interesting enough, these skills were not something that I kind of went and studied anywhere. It was something that naturally I ended up building up. And, and one of the really sort of vivid examples that I give to people as a, as a child was, you know, I, I'm first generation. Um, my parents are Pakistani. So I, that makes me first generation. I guess I was born in this country. Um, so, you know, growing up, their English was a second language. So they went... They weren't good at communicating in English. So whenever we'd go to the doctors or nurses or hospitals, etc., you know, as the children, we were the translators, which is ironic because you were eight and you're trans translating. Um, and I remember this vivid conversation at a hospital where my mum and dad were asking to stay with my little sister because my little sister had a mental health, uh, sort of health, had health issues, sorry, not mental health issues, she had health issues. Um, and so even though she was 16, she was considered a minor. So they were saying to the hospital, you know, we always stay with her at night. It's always approved. Um, and the hospital refused to do that to the point where they were saying to my parents, you need to leave, we'll call security because it was after hours. And my <coughs> parents being polite at that point, even though they didn't want to leave their child, were sort of like, well, we have to go. We're being told. Um, and me being this like spunky 12, 14 year old was like, no, you're not leaving your child here. You don't want to leave your child here and they're forcing you to go. Um, so I went online, luckily there was the internet and phones were out by then, went online, found the number for the, the board of directors or, or whoever was in charge that night and I rang them and I told them what was going on. Um, and then all of a sudden within, within I think 20 minutes, a call had come down to the doctor's um, desk, to the nurses saying, the parents can stay. But until I did that, until I challenged the, the patriarchy and hierarchy and what we were being told, they, my parents were basically categorically being told, if you don't leave right now, um, we are going to have to get security to escort you out. And, and, you know, my parents don't understand English. So they were just thinking, hey, we're being told by these quote unquote white men and women um, that this is the process and we have to follow it, even if it meant leaving their daughter in the hospital alone at night, which they did not want to do. Um, and I always tell that story to people because I say, there's probably a million people who go through this because of cultural, language, income barriers, and they believe that the person who they're talking to, whether it's the hospital, whether it's the, you know, the, at the job centre, whether it's the, you know the, at the bank, etc., is trying the best to help them. Mm. But sometimes they're not, and unless you know how to challenge it, unless you're confident enough to challenge it, you will walk away having had something unjust happen to you. Um, and so, yes, the, the, the sort of lining is, you know, we got to stay with my sister and, and those skills have now naturally turned me into what I do in my role and I'm successful in it. But it does make me think, and I always reflect on this, how many other families are going through the same thing, yet they, but they didn't have someone like me to challenge or they didn't have the confidence to think, can I challenge this? Mm. And it probably, no, it probably still happens. It's a, it's a sobering point. It's a, it, and I, I think that's the sad state. I mean, I, we are, neither of us are medical professionals, neither of us work in that field. So it's difficult to comment on from an insider's perspective. And I, I'm sure it's full of many, many thousands of humans who want to do the best for their patients. But it lets people down. And I think that's sad. 
But to end on a positive note, <coughs> when I'm not coughing. <laughs> I was going to say, is that the positive note? Cats, cats, that's what it, coughing spree. Not dead yet. Um, no, I, I think we got through COVID. Those of us who were lucky enough to keep working or find uh, an exciting new role, great. Give a little back. Because everyone has mental health. And you'd be enormously sympathetic as someone who broke their arm. So the question is, Amara, mm-hmm. where can people find you on the internet? Well, <laughs> when I'm not K-popping and, and running after my Korean dramas, yes, we're going to continue with that going into 2022. <laughs> um, I am very active on Instagram. We are Queens OTT Age, and you can find me Amara Queens OTT Age or something along those lines. And I'm also on Twitter. Um, Kat, what about you? I am Caitlin underscore F underscore Baker on Twitter, and you can find us at Queens OTT Age on Twitter, where we are happy to take your feedback, listen to whatever you say. If you like the episode, please leave us a. I don't know if it actually helps if people go and write a review on um, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. But oh, we love help. We love we love a review. Subscribe if you're not subscribed because it does help. And share. But uh, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll uh, see you soon. On that note, <laughs> you know, it's so sad I have to say that. On that note, Kat, have a great evening, and I'll see you on the next podcast. <laughs>